standing up in McKinney. This is According to Callus. Episode 461 coming to you on the 25th of July, 2023. And yes, this is going to be Vicksburg Part 2. Also known as Civil War Take Two. <clears throat> and again, before I get started, let me remind you the best way you can help me is to like, share, and subscribe to this program. If you're particularly enthusiastic, if you'd take the time out to rate and review this program, you can follow me on the social medias. I have a page and a group over at Facebook. I do occasionally visit Me, We, and Gab. And for right now, they, as far as I know, they're still putting the audio up over at YouTube. Why does this matter? Well, I'm doing my best to give an alternative view on what's playing out in Collin County, McKinney, Texas, right? Or McKinney, Collin County, Texas, right? Trying to fight the good fight, stay overall positive, and be objective. All of those things can be a challenge. So what do I mean to do today? Well, as I mentioned in yesterday's episode, I took a little weekend trip. We went to a place called Vicksburg. One of the uh, linchpin battles, apparently along with Gettysburg, in the Civil War. And yes, the Civil War has multiple names. The War of Northern Aggression, the War of Southern Secession, the Second Revolution, uh, the War Between the States... Uh, I think it be the only thing it would be safe to say it was not civil. <laughs> so one of the things that I wanted to you know mention while I'm in Vic- Vicksburg, I am not a Civil War buff. I, I know enough about the Civil War that I can tell you who was on what side and what the general concept at play was and what some of the major issues were. That being said... I do not claim to be an expert, but I do know enough (laughs) to have an intelligent conversation. And I got to be honest, uh, I really have uh, boned up a lot of the uh, knowledge and information that I have about this uh, time period, uh, listening to Brian McClanahan's show. This is a pivotal point, right? This is the kind of the stage gets set for changing us from a constitutional republic or a federal republic to becoming an empire. The birth of an empire or a nation, if you will, begins here. And for those of you that are not fans, pay attention. So we went to two different museums. One was the uh, Vicksburg Museum in the old courthouse. Got to say, my daughter was thoroughly impressed. She really liked it. There was lots of interesting things to both read and see. And it was pretty balanced. They had different things, you know, the riverboat thing, the, the Vicksburg, the just different sections, if you will. It wasn't all Civil War. It wasn't all Vicksburg battle. It wasn't, it was various different things. One of the things that I found interesting, they had a a section on Jefferson Davis. Now, being from the North, you never really heard anything good about Jefferson Davis. Evil man that usurped a country. I mean, it was just kind of crazy stuff. Now, granted, it's far worse now than what it was when I was a kid, but He was never painted in a good light. What's interesting to me is it does talk about the fact that Jefferson Davis's homestead, plantation, whatever you want to call it, was approximately 15 miles due south from Vicksburg on the Mississippi. So he was the hometown boy, if you will, right? 
he was pro-unionist. He, he didn't want to secede. He, he didn't see the wisdom in it, I guess would be the way to put it. But when Mississippi chose to secede, he kind of had to go along for the ride. And when he was elected president of the Confederacy, he kind of had to go along for the ride. He wasn't even looking to be the president, but he stepped up to the plate and he did the job. In this this way, he is very similar to uh, Robert E. Lee. Again, another great man that got thrown into this uh, situation and he did what he thought was best. And in fairness... Back then, people tended to look at their states as their country, their home. They needed to put that first and foremost. And perhaps it would be better in some degrees if people would do that now to some degree. In other words, I worry about what happens in Texas far more than I worry about what happens in California. Likewise, when I was in Wisconsin, I worried far more about what was in Wisconsin than what went on in New York. And perhaps if the people in Virginia worried less about what went on in Iowa, it would be a better nation, a better federal republic. Just a thought here. So uh, I thanked them at the museum. I said, you know, I appreciate the fact that you have a very balanced presentation of history and what happened and what was involved. Um, It's unusual in today's day and age. It wasn't catering to today's modern audience, right? They didn't really sugarcoat any of the negative things, but on the flip side, it wasn't all negative all the time. And it wasn't, you know, you know, South evil, the North was pure. It couldn't be any further from truth. Very, I would, I would almost say it's a throwback historian uh, visit. And if you have the time when you're in Vicksburg, I highly recommend the old courthouse museum. Clearly of a labor of love there. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. Now, the second museum was a Civil War museum that's kind of on the downtown Cherry Street or Washington Street, one or the other, uh, on the main drag, if you will, in downtown Vicksburg. I went and visited that the following day. It was also a very good museum. They had tons of Civil War era rifles, guns, uh displays of different kinds of ammunitions all the way from the bullet rounds, if you will, to cannonballs and the various uh, types of missiles that they fired at each other. It should be noted. I believe this guy was probably a collector before he ever opened up the museum. And I want to also state that even though I disagreed with this gentleman, one, he ran a very nice museum, and it's definitely worth your time going to check it out. He was very generous with his time and quite open to discussion. Very uh, pleasant discussion back and forth. And he starts off the <laughs> when you walk into the museum. So tell me, what do you know about the Civil War? I mean, what a better way to start <laughs> a visit to a museum than to Have somebody ask you, well, what do you know? And what would you like to learn? Now, I will say that even though the Civil War is not my thing, I probably know a little bit more than the average American. But nowhere near what some Civil War buffs or history majors might know. So at this point in time, I will say that I know enough to get myself in trouble, not necessarily enough to get out. 
So we have the conversation and he asks me, well, why do you think the civil war was fought? So I give him the reason to answer. Um, basically there's a number of issues starting with sectionalism and all the way up to the idea of limiting slavery. At which point he said, well, you're not wrong, but you're lacking some context. Okay. Uh, then he points out the secession documents that he has down and tells us, if you don't have time to read them all, just go to the highlighted portions. Well, I already know where this is going. I, as, as a fan of Brian McClanahan, as a, a fan of Tom Woods, I've heard a lot of this stuff before now. And again, I want to be fair and honest. The guy was great. He had a very good conversation. He knew his business as he should. I mean, he's running a museum. Uh, he knew his material and to be clear, I don't think he's wrong. And the, one of the other things that we talked about is, um, he'd kind of asked, well, where are you from? And we told him and I said, well, I want to let you know what I do know about the civil war is highly biased. I said, I was born and raised in the North in uh, Wisconsin. And basically my two takeaways from the education I got is Abe Lincoln was a God, probably a small G better make sure I say small G God. And, uh, the North was absolutely pure and perfect and did nothing wrong. Kind of chuckled. And he said, Okay, well, then you've probably had the opposite experience than I have. I'm, you know, man from the South, and we were taught that Robert E. Lee was basically a god, and the Confederacy was absolutely right. I said, I could see that. Um, from there, we had a little bit more uh, discussion, and uh, I said, so, you know, now we live in Texas, and, you know, my daughter went through the school districts here, and Honestly, in my opinion, they kind of glossed over the entirety of the Civil War. They didn't really get into it one way or the other. I don't know that that's what's best, but when you're trying to cover, you know, 250 years worth of history and you've got four semesters, stuff gets cut out. I just, I distinctly remember when I was in high school, by the time we got to the Civil War, it was the end of the semester of the year. I don't remember which. And then Reconstruction picks up. And we did touch on reconstruction and I said, you know, I not a fan of reconstruction because based upon what I know from it, it upended the entire social order. It rearranged everything and created far more problems and brought about hostile reactions that didn't necessarily need to be there. He didn't necessarily disagree with me, which was kind of interesting, but he, you know, I had to tell him from the onset, setting aside the obvious disgraceful idea of owning another person. But let's be clear, the North did that as well. So we had two slaveholding republics fighting against each other. So I think he appreciated the fact that I acknowledged that that was wrong and whatever else. But I mean, in today's day and age, does anybody defend that? Does anybody think it's a good idea to own another person? But I think what he appreciated most is the fact that I pointed out that both sides did it, not just the North being pure. <laughs> so, uh, of course, this is my interpretation of events. The guy clearly isn't here to speak for himself, and I didn't ask for permission, if you will, to quote him. So I'm not quoting him. I'm giving you a recollection. And I would, again, I would encourage you to go check out the Civil War Museum in Vicksburg. I, I was very impressed with what the collection was and the guy was great to talk to. But if I was going to critique something, when he posted up 
the declaration declarations of secession by the various states. And he thoughtfully highlighted the portions that refer to slavery. Now, I understand why he would do that. And I understand that a man in his position would probably not be overly enthusiastic about it. We didn't talk about family histories or anything like that. And I, I don't know what his family history is, but fairly certain that if you were in the South and uh, you had his lineage, a pretty good chance that somebody in your family was owned by another person. And I would not be enthusiastic about it either. And I would be especially annoyed that I had to be taught growing up that the South was always right. I, 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 I'm very sympathetic and agreeable to the um, rejection or wanting to counter that. So when I was reading through the documents, I, I kind of said over to my daughter when we were apart, I'm like, you know, he's right, but I think he's missing the bigger point here. All of these documents are propaganda. They're trying to sell what they're doing. They're throwing everything at it to justify their actions. And, you know, some people cared about slavery, but I got to be honest, 75% of the people in the South or more didn't own slaves, didn't care. And not, again, to be clear, never ever would I justify that. Not trying to, not making it okay. I'm just saying that both sides were wrong. Both sides did this the wrong way. And uh, so it's kind of odd to blame one side and not the other, but I don't think he was doing that. I think he was just showing they use that as part of their moral justification for separating from the country. And he's not wrong, but again, I think it was largely propaganda and they were selling a story with just two different views of the same evidence. Uh, and several of the, several of the states didn't barely mention it at all. And the one state that did mention, I want to say was, uh, Alabama, but it could have been South Carolina. I'm not I'm trying to remember this off the top of my head. There are four pages worth of uh, this secession letter, and there was like two and a half or three paragraphs out of those four pages that mentioned that issue. So was it there? Absolutely. But was it the underlying most important cause? I, I don't think that's a fair statement. I really don't. But again... It's history. It's kind of up to the eye of the beholder. It's up to what does the evidence support? And I think there's enough evidence to support. There were other things at play, but certainly you cannot detach yourself from that. And you'd be foolish to try because then you look like you're justifying it and nobody wants to ever justify that. The other thing that I thought was interesting is, uh, we, uh, he asked me about, well, how many, uh, how many, um, Black folks were soldiers in the army and it was playing words and I didn't catch it. And I said, well, do you want a total or a percentage? He goes either or I said, less than a thousand. I missed the part where he said soldiers because there weren't any soldiers. I believe he's absolutely correct about that. What I should have said, uh, fought or supported for the Confederate side. And of that, there is direct evidence that they did serve in supporting the Confederate army. Now, whether they did it willingly or under duress, therein lies a different question. Certainly there were uh, freed black men in the South 
And some of them may chose to have fight. We don't know. We don't know the exact details. Some of them maybe were pressed into that service. But how is that any different than the white men that were pressed in the service in the North? It's really not. It's involuntary servitude either way. It's not good. It's not appropriate. It's not right. Nobody should try and justify it. But those are the facts, right? And then there's this strange case of people that ran the plantation while the owner was gone. And they did it to support their family and their way of life and perhaps even the owner's family. I mean, what else are they going to do? They take care of this and they'll be rewarded when he comes back. I mean, certainly that's a way of looking at it, but they could have just as easily left, right? They could have abandoned them. They could have let the whole thing fall to shambles. And, and honestly, if I were in their shoes, I would have done that probably. I mean, certainly who could blame them? Your first uh, chance or grasp at freedom or liberty. Yeah. But let's also be honest. There's a whole lot of people that grew up like that. They knew nothing else. They just expected that was their life. They accepted it. And whether they loved it or not, that's what they had. That's what they knew. It was important for them to preserve what they had. I don't know what their motivations were. I I wouldn't even pretend to want to get in somebody's head why they would agree to do that. But it but it's plausible. It's it's an argument. Maybe not a good argument, but it is an argument. <laughs> so the tough spot is is right. You got that. Then uh one of the other questions, and, and again, I, I'm paraphrasing because I don't want to direct quote the guy, and he was very generous, and you know, I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm beating this guy up. Because honestly, the history that he was taught, the history that he was presenting, and the arguments he was given are absolutely 100% in accordance with what the, is taught in the modern history programs. He has got all that right based upon what they would have taught him or what he would have learned. Now, I have the uh, added advantage or mm, knowledge of all the other details basically put forth by a few people that I listen to that talk about the, well, there was this, there was this, there was this, there's more to it to that. And I would be the first to say it's very nuanced. There's a whole lot of detail and other things at play here. It's not simple cut and dry. I would go so far to say is both sides were wrong. And if you put me to it, I think the North was more wrong to invade the South than the South was to leave. But they're both wrong in various ways or different things. And they're all wrong when you throw in the fact that they owned other people. That's never acceptable. Well, okay. Not acceptable in the life I would want to live. Okay. So that being said, he asked me an interesting question about monuments. Okay, fair question. And I said, well, I I believe that most monuments and memorials that were put up after the war were a demonstration of moving on, reconciliation, and, you know, we're trying to heal wounds, if you will. He goes, okay, I, I see that argument. He goes, would you be interested to see what uh, Robert E. Lee thought? Because he would disagree with you. Okay. And then he, he asked me, well, what do you think about the people that want to take them down? Well, of course, I'm opposed to that. I mean, 
you start taking down one monument or one memorial, what stops you from taking them all down? Which is, I think, what they actually, the people that profess that want. That's their end goal. Whether they know it or not, that's what's going to happen. So I told him the story. I was like, well, yeah, I oppose that. And I even went so far as to tell him about the statue that I have downtown. And I spoke about Throckmorton. I said, yeah, Throckmorton was a Confederate officer, but he was also a doctor. He was also a lawyer. He was also instrumental in founding my city and he was a governor oh and by the way he was an anti-secessionist but once his state left he served his state but they would like to us to forget they would like us to memory hole him i said i'm not willing to do that and i went so far as to sit at the base of that statue for a couple of nights to make sure that stuff didn't happen now i think at this point i might have surprised the guy i don't think he'd ever run across somebody that actually did that i mean it's very easy to say no you shouldn't do that or well you know some people and then of course you get the van taylor um and some other congressional republicans say well they're just democrats we'll take that down so as i was saying i i mentioned the fact that you know i felt convicted enough (laughs) to put myself in the way of destruction of a monument now it doesn't mean that I think that person's awesome. It doesn't mean that I hate the person. It just means that they were a great person or a significant person in history and we chose to honor them and we should remember what they did or didn't do across the board. Now Robert E. Lee talked about the fact that, you know, if we should make these monuments, we could potentially open up old wounds. I think that's a fair point. I do. But it doesn't mean I have to agree with it. Uh, the gentleman also mentioned the idea that uh, why would you put a statue up to an invader? And I said, well, I understand what you're saying, but respectfully, these people didn't invade anything. They were already here. If anything, the North invaded the South. Then we discussed the idea of Fort Sumter. And, you know, he said, well, you know, Lincoln was trying to feed his troops. And I'm like, yeah. And they told him, don't put anything in there. And if you do, we're going to fire. So they're both wrong there. But clearly Lincoln's goading, as is the military leadership on the Federalist or the North side that's trying to push this equation, they wanted the South to fire. And of course, the folks in South Carolina didn't quite grasp that and they fell into the trap. But they thought that a brief war and they get a peaceful solution, they get to go their own way. And that's not the way that played out. But in fact, the North impressed Hundreds of thousands of people, they forced them into a fight that they didn't even necessarily want. They literally enslaved those people to go put them into a war, but they are the right, they were the good. (sighs) Ladies and gentlemen, I just don't see it. I think they're both wrong. But just because they're both wrong doesn't mean that I can't honor and respect what was done. And I can't, you know, acknowledge the sacrifice that both sides did. And really, that's kind of the biggest takeaway, right? So both North and South. And, and, and I'm going to be honest. I really like the guy. I appreciated our conversation. It was, it was edifying to me. I hope it was edifying to him. Uh, we kind of said, you know, we're just going to agree to disagree on this issue. But here's the thing. I really appreciate what the guy's doing. And I would encourage you, go check out that, you know, Civil War, Machine, or Civil War Museum in Vicksburg. Uh, don't, don't give the guy any grief. Go, look, learn. It's interesting. It's very interesting. Don't be afraid to see other points of view and understand what's going, you know, what happened. 
Now, I might quibble about some of the conclusions or whatever else, but it doesn't mean that he doesn't have very good artifacts and first, uh, first-hand information from the various people that were involved in this thing, right? Again, it's worth your time. It's worth a couple dollars it was to go there. Check it out. So you've got two different museums. I wouldn't call them dueling presentations. I would just say they were slightly different. I would... I would say that they were both worth your time and effort. I enjoyed them. Now, I guess my primary point to consider is the guy runs a museum full of things used to remember what happened before, but apparently is not a huge fan of monuments, or at least wanted you to question your conviction of whether or not monuments were appropriate, which I actually have no issue with that whatsoever. I think it's a fair question. And he's located in a town that's continued existence is based off the fact that at one point in time, it was a fortress on the Mississippi that had one of the biggest battles or most important battles of the Civil War. And directly down the street is this military park honoring the war dead. Both sides, mind you. Based off the idea that we want to reconcile, we're going to become one country again. You know, 60 years ago, we took up arms against each other or 50 years ago, we took up arms against each other, but we're we're better. We're we're in a better place now. Now, you can say the Spanish-American War fixed part of that. You can say World War I fixed almost all of it. That may be true. That doesn't mean there was still bad blood. It doesn't mean there were still problems based upon that. And what would be really interesting if we could actually get an alternate view of Reconstruction right? They talk about these uh, histories, revisionist history. I'd like to see a revisionist history on reconstruction. Now, I don't necessarily have a problem with what they were trying to accomplish per se. I think the way they went about doing it was terrible and destructive. We've talked about the idea that the 13th, 14th, and 15th amendments were largely passed based upon those states being under duress. You can say what you want, but the state wants to leave and go live its own on its own, right or wrong, what their motivations were. But when they failed to do it, you put it under military dictatorship and force them to agree to certain things so you could leave them alone. I mean, (laughs) it doesn't exactly sound all that positive now, does it? That's something that people gloss over and forget about. Certainly in Reconstruction, we only heard the positive side of all these great things we did to fix the South when the war was over. I'd be interested to see an actual Southern view of how that played out and what the, what the uh, net outcome was overall. I would imagine it perpetrated worse crimes and covered other crimes and created more long-term problems than if they would have just left well enough alone. And one of the things that I uh, mentioned to this gentleman is uh, the idea that, you know, Jim, Jim Crow laws were bad but they actually started in the North that it was, you know, Connecticut, New York, that kind of started with that stuff. And he acknowledged that he goes, yeah, well, (laughs) so I, again, I'm at a loss and, you know, uh, you could say they matured out of them faster. Maybe, maybe it was just, I got to say, I imagine the guy is about my age, maybe a little older. He's got an adult son that's in the Marine. Hoorah to you guys out there, right? 
Semper Fi, all that good stuff. <laughs> but the guy actually loves his country enough to be honest about their failings and the and the things that happened in the past and how we move past them. And then he has his own son willing to serve on his own volition. Now that's a guy that loves his country. Whether I agree with his conclusions or not, he loves his country and he loves his country enough to spend his own money to create a museum so that people can learn about, you know, a major situation in the past. And hopefully let's get beyond that. So really that, that was the two twin takeaways, if you will, of my time in Vicksburg is the two museums, the more balanced approach, and then the more kind of take it, learn what's going on here. What, what, what played out? How'd that, Again, either way, I would highly encourage you if you've got the time and you live anywhere within six hours, it's worth the drive. Spend a couple of days there with your kids, with your grandkids, and uh, bring them up to speed. There's a lot to be learned, and I really have no desire to relive that kind of thing again. With that, I'll see you on the other side.